It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in the title. I'm Jeff Johnson coming to you live from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico from suburbia, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, and from Inspired EC, Nicole Halton. How you doing, Nicole? I am fantastic. I've got so, some Australian slang for you. So yeah, we'll, we'll, I want to get to that but in a, in a minute, listeners. Uh, uh, I've been being a little bit of a sticky beak while I've been I've been digging <laughs> into uh, parent handbooks. We've got some some thoughts about the way they're formatted. But uh, uh, Nicole was gonna gonna quiz me on some Australian slang. So what do you got yeah. for me? So last time we recorded, it was about being a sticky beak, and that's someone who's nosy. Um, I've got a couple that I want to test you on. What's a mozzie? A mozzie. Did I say a Mazi? Um, that would be a an Italian car, a Maserati. That's slang for a Maserati um, sports car. That is a mosquito. Um, it, about... it must be an, it must be it must be a Australian mosquito, uh, an Aussie Mazi. An Aussie Mazi, no? yeah. yeah. What about what about? See, this is very timely for me at the moment because it's winter. It's cold, so that might give you a clue. Tracky dax. A tracky dax? Tracky dax. It's a plural um, track. Tra- um that would be um one of those one of those trackers you put on your on your devices, one of those 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 things so you can it's a be a it'd be a GPS tracker so you don't get lost in, in the snow in of the Australia. Wild of Australia. <laughs> no, it is a, like a pair of sweatpants. Because okay. here we call them we call them tracksuit pants, which gets sure. shortened to tracky dacks or trackies. Okay, so I guess I'm I'm wearing a pair of trackies right now. Wearing trackies. Um, okay. Um, and the last one, tradies. Tradie. Tradie. Oh, tradies! Just uh, anybody, any block out there, any old mate out there doing a doing a doing a job. He might be he might be the water delivery guy, or he might be a plumber. Or, or he's in in the trades, right? I got one right. You're on, you're that, on that one. You've got that one right. So yes, it is like a tradesperson. It's like a plumber, a carpenter, a builder, a tradesperson. So yeah. yes, one out yeah. of three. The, the kind of guy you might run into at Bunnings, uh, eating yeah. a eating a sausage. At sausage sizzle at Bunnings. 
Absolutely. <laughs> old saw old maid over at the sausage sizzle sizzle of bunnings. Um yes. Yes. Uh, uh, there we go. Um it was fun. These ducks. <laughs> <laughs> he always he always wears those when he goes to the uh to the sausage sizzle because he eats so many yeah. of them. Uh <laughs> they need to be stretchy waisted. Yeah, need, need the stretchy pants on. <laughs> um, so no, Nicole, I've been taking the squiz at all these parent handbooks and, um, I, I, uh, you know, parts of this, I, I wanted to just stick all the stuff in one episode because, uh, uh, if anybody wanted to, to reference it, one thing I've, I've really noticed is that there are a lot of parent handbooks out there, at least in the, the random sample that I've have collected listeners. If you'd like me to like to send me your uh, handbook, get a hold of me um, in the show notes or voicemail or text to two two eight three six three six seven three seven. I need more in my collection because I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with handbooks. Um, formatting isn't always great in early learning program handbooks, Nicole. Um, I've been looking at at handbooks from southwestern Australia all the way to northeastern Canada, um, and and I've, I've noticed some some things that are some some common things that make them challenging. And since um, a, a, a parent handbook or a staff handbook, the the goal is for somebody to read it and process the information and make use of the information, making them as readable and usable as possible um, seems like a good thing. Um, and yet, I think since program staff often put these things together and maybe don't have the skill set or the time or energy to to put a lot of thought into into the formatting, uh, that that kind of gets put to the puts it to the side and and maybe doesn't get as much attention as it should for for a lot i mean there's plenty of reasons um but i thought we could go through some of the things i've noticed and and kind of pick them apart um thoughts okay. before we get into that i'm ready i'm ready for it i love good formatting i struggle with poor formatting um i recently reviewed a policy folder for a service and it was one of the toughest two hours of my life. I wished I could get that time back um, because trying to read through their policies and the layout of that whole folder, which was designed for sharing with families and with mm -hmm. uh, educators was just, yeah, not good, not good. So I'm excited. Did What was your experience with the whole handbook thing when you, back in your director days, did you have to create one or maintain it or update it or? Yeah, I definitely had to create, maintain, update, all those kinds of things. Um, I think what I started with was lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of information, but it gets to the point where you're actually giving them so much information that they're just never going to read it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, over time, really had to work on condensing the information so that it was the key things were there and then that there was a link to, you know, for more information about this, see this mm -hmm. policy or see this procedure or whatever, but just the key information, the actual vital stuff was there, but also that it was really well laid out so it was easy for people to access what they needed, to go back to things. Um, yeah, so it was definitely, it was an annoying job though. Like it, it's not a fun job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're really nerdy into that, if you're if you're that flavor of nerd, um, it, I probably it might be am fun. that flavor of nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, being able to find stuff has been one of my 
my my biggest uh, uh, problems with these and and look, listeners, um, if if as we go through these, if I if I sound like a dick for any reason, I'm 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 not I'm not trying to be, but I mean this is important <laughs> stuff, I think. Um, so one of the things a lot of um, handbooks I've looked at are missing is uh, page numbers. Yes. And th that's that's kind of an important thing, because if you I mean, I, I we, we've said on this on the show for years and years and years, uh, uh, heck, longer than a decade. It's come up on this show that that you need to know what page it's on when it comes to the yeah. rules and, and and guidelines that are running your program, whether it's licensing or your own programs handbook. You need to literally know what page it's on so you can reference it. And if you don't have page numbers you are not able to do that. And so um, I've, I've, I've looked at, um, look, I'm not ready to release the statistics yet, but when I get done, there will be a post on Playvolution HQ about how many are missing these. There, there are a lot of programs that are, that have handbooks that don't have page books or page numbers. And so that, that one, one step of putting page numbers. Um, Which is look, a pretty easy step. Like if you're, pretty, if yeah. you're using like Microsoft Word or, you know, like one of those kinds of basic word processing programs, it's simply a matter of clicking a button and ta-da, the page numbers appear. Like yeah. you don't have to manually add them. They will just appear at the bottom of the page. So it's not a really difficult step. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Um, and um, another thing I've noticed is that sometimes uh, handbooks that have page numbers make them make them so tiny that they're almost not not there and so not only do you do you need page numbers but you need page numbers that are that are easy to see you don't want to have to pull out the uh the jeweler's loop to find the page <laughs> number it doesn't it's not going to take much more ink when you print these things out if you use a slightly bigger font no. for, for your page <laughs> number um i have also noticed though um well microsoft word and other programs will automatically put those page numbers um, on there for you if you do a couple of clicks. I've I've run into one or two handbooks that that have page numbers, but the pages aren't in sequential order. Um, they're they're misnumbered, and, and I don't know how it happens. But that 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 bit of proofreading might be something that that you want somebody to do before you publish. Is not only have page numbers that are on a in in a readable font size, but also make, make sure the the pages are are in order. Um, that would be starting with page one and then adding a number. And so forth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to number your pages like one seven B three fourteen <laughs> Z. Um, that that sequential order makes it a little bit easier. Just to keep you on your toes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to surprise people with your page numbers. Um, so that's an important one. Um, hand in hand with the page numbers. I think it's also really going to make your handbook uh, more user friendly if you have a table of content um, yeah. that references the page numbers, uh, yeah. so people know where to find your your policy about uh, how you're going to deal with biting and uh, what your philosophy is and where how 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 pay payments are going to be met and what days of the year you close or or whatever it is. Uh, that table of content is going to make it easy to to find those things. And I've run into many handbooks that don't have either. 
I've run into some that have the page numbers and no table of content. And Nicole, I've run into one or two that had a table of content, but no page numbers. It's just so you know what to expect as you go through the document. You're prepared. Yeah, You're like, you know, you this know, is all the things that are coming. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know when is, they're coming, but they're coming. This is on page seven. Let me count to page seven. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it, you know, you can have one or the other or neither, but your your handbook is going to be a lot more user friendly for the people using that handbook um, if you if you have both page numbers and a table of content. Um, and make and, sure and, they match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make sure you want to do I, again another bit of proofreading that uh, that that should be done before publishing um, the the document is make sure that that your table of content matches your actual pages. And 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 look, um, it, it it sounds like a, a real simple basic thing, but it it's just a, a huge percentage of of the handbooks I've looked at don't have these things. Um, so something to something to think about. Next one I've got is left justify um oh yes yes please don't center everything yeah 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 um and i don't i don't know how or why that happens but it it does happen is the whole if if your whole handbook is is center justified it's it's just uh, more challenging to to read it hurts um, the brain it hurts the brain yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so when all your headings and all your text and all your uh, your your bulleted lists um, are are center justified, yeah. it's just it's it's just hard on the eyes and and yes. people, the people who you want to read these documents will not read these documents, and the people like me who read them just for fun um, will be annoyed. <laughs> just for a good time, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be will be annoyed with them. Um, so so left to justify is another tip. Um, this is kind of a bigger category, but um, reader friendly top typography. Um, oh yes, I see this a lot in a lot of like early childhood programs in their what they put out, even their policies like. If I'm getting a policy, I don't want a fancy script heading that tells me what the policy is. I need it to be in a clear font that's readable for everybody. Like it's, yeah, and even, you know, documentation, like all sorts of things. The things that we provide to families need to be able to be read by all families and those fancy script, you know, things with twirls and curls and whatever, you can't read them. Like it's got to be legible. Yeah, yeah, it it and, and I mean, um, there there are there are a lot of really cute, fun fonts out there. Um, like little apples in instead of an eye, like a dot above the eye, it's a little apple or something. It's like, oh, how cute! No, not cute. Yeah, yeah, not and, cute, and, not and fun. you know, <laughs> maybe once in a while for logos and headings and that kind of stuff. But when you're 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 dealing with with multiple page documents. Uh, it, yeah. It's just hard on the ice to read um, readers just because, you know, I love and respect you. Um, well, like you, I, you know, love, uh, it, you know, I, it's hard for me to it's feel a love. Lot. That's I, a lot. I mean, I love Tasha over there, but beyond that, it's kind of hard for me. Um, but fun. anyway, I digress. Um, I, I went and searched for some of the easiest to read um, current uh, fonts out there. And so we've got Georgia. We've got Helvetica, we've got Arial, we've got Open Sans, 
and we've got Roboto are are some of the most easy to read fonts out there that are that are easily available for these documents. Um, what's Can your go-to font? The... Sure, well, absolutely. My, you're, my you look like you're quivering with font. excitement. Um, yes, what's my your, go-to, what's... my my go-to not font is Comic Sans. Please do not write all your <laughs> formal documents in Comic Sans. Just don't. Just don't oh. ever know the place for it. It's not happening. Oh, Nicole, if I was if I was starting over again, I would I would keep track of how many handbooks are are in Comic Sans because it seems to be a I think it kind of looks like a kid's scripty fun yes. kind of font, but uh, yes. after page and page it's hard to it's hard to read um so so go with an easy to read font i'm i'm an yeah. aerial guy what's your what's inspired ec what's you got a go-to font uh yes so we've got like a bank of fonts so we use certain fonts for our headings and certain fonts sure. for subheadings but our main text is i think it's josephine sands so it's just like i think it, most things in the sands family are fairly readable just not comic sans, don't do it. Um, yeah. Other than that, yeah, most of those are fine. On my like word processing and stuff, I tend to use Arial, I think. Yeah. Arial, yeah. Times New Roman, I don't know, something fairly basic. So so sans, sans fonts are, are generally easier to read than sans serif because the serifs are the yeah. ones that have the little twisties and and the little little doodads that make things a little bit harder to read. Um, hey, I think, you know what? This is the first time we've had any prolonged uh font talk on the podcast and all Very these years. So this is this is a this is a banner moment for the show. Um so but in addition to typography, a couple more things. Uh uh spacing spacing matters. Um if you you know I I like for stuff like uh you know maybe not double space but one and a half space between your your general lines. Um I've looked at so many of these that that don't have that spacing, and again, it makes it hard for hard to hard to scan things. Um, yeah. And and so having having a little bit of line spacing there is is probably going to make your document a little bit easier to read. And in addition to that, font size matters. Um, some of these handbooks I've I've looked through. I, I, I've I've read a couple that were in uh, a nine point five point font. Um, I think and I default... get it. We're trying to save paper. Like we're an environmentally friendly profession. We're trying to save paper. I get it. But there comes a point where actually you're saving paper, but you're damaging my eyesight. So it's like we need to find a happy medium. I tend to go with about an 11 or a 12. Yeah. I find it's fairly reasonable for just standard reading. If 12 is my standard, but if I need to make a little bit more room on the page, I'll take it down to an 11. Anything less than 11 is too small. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things is is some of them have had this this really really tiny font. And I, I think I agree I agree with you. The reason is they're trying to save save paper printing these things mm. out. Um, that have had a really really tiny font, and then and then wide margins. If you would if you yeah, would narrow, narrow the margins, margins a little bit and pop up the font size, you're probably going to end up with a a relatively similar uh, page count. Yeah. And I would argue for for long term program joy having parents actually able to read and understand your handbook in the long in the long run the cost of printing a, a, a couple more pages An with the handbook yeah. makes makes life a little bit better because parents are, are going to be more likely to to actually read and, and understand what's in the document if they're able to to read it and so um font size size matters font matters spacing matters 
Um, another thing I noticed is is uh, differentiating headings, and so some will have uh, maybe the 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 body text is in uh, sans serif uh, or comic sans or whatever whatever they're using, but then headings will be the same font size, the same font, but only bold, but but bolded. Um, without any additional spacing. And so to make things a little bit easier to read, you can you can bump up the size of your headings a little bit. Uh, bolding them is, is probably cool. Um, and you can also change up the font the font style a, a little bit, but I mean keep it keeping it uh, fairly ha having having the fonts work together um, is, yeah. is probably a, a good idea. but and, and, and a little bit of extra spacing either before or after the headings. Um, gives the eye uh, it, it helps draw the eye to those headings when because when you, you've got a table of contents and you've got a page number and you've got uh, your your heading stand out a little bit on the page it's it's really easier for for your eye to to get to the information to get to that heading on the page um doesn't sound like this, yeah. am I sounding too demanding Nicole no no it's all very reasonable <laughs> all right I got another one this one um is kind of um is, is has been has been a struggle for me because there there are a lot of the handbooks are are really apparently there's a need to emphasize things yes and, like you've got to make things bold and underlined when it's like do not bring yeah. your comfort toys to the service sure bold, sure yeah to harken back to the last episode we did together that would that would be a good example um and I, I would argue that everything you put into your handbook should be important. Yes. Um, if it's not important, don't Doesn't put belong. in the handbook um, and and just just assume that it's all all the important stuff. Um, because I have looked at handbooks where the the whole thing is in all caps. I have looked at <laughs> handbooks That's where very shouty. It's very aggressive. It, it's it's and and look I, I I get the intention that this is important stuff and I want you to pay attention to it but but reading through a longer document that is in all caps or bold or underlined um it, it's just hard on it's hard on the eyes and it makes it you you layout and design matter because we don't want to make it easy for somebody to say eh, this isn't worth my time yeah and if everything's important then nothing's important yeah do you know yes. what i mean like i think you can't have everything be important it's like saying you know everything on my to-do list is the priority well then none of it's the priority yeah like it it's that kind of same mentality it's like if i really need something to stand out then make it stand out but it's like i can't make everything stand out yeah yeah i i was looking at one today that had big blocks of text, um, all caps, bold, underlined, and Whoa. then had the yellow, the yellow highlighter effect wow. over them, um, which, you know, a word That's or a two, a word or two using one of those is probably enough. But when you use all those options on, on, on big blocks, I mean, this was like, like three quarters of a page. Oh would be gosh. would be done yeah, with no, this and then and then and then some programs are doing that with color too they'll put they'll put things in 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 red or 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 orange to to highlight them and make it stand out well it and yeah so 
it it can be overwhelming to the reader when everything is important, nothing is important, like you said, and it 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 just it sounds like looking at these things, it, it makes me feel like this handbook is angry at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's probably not that's the not emotional the reaction that you want you want people to have to 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 those documents. No. Um. So that's some basic things. And I think the, the other one just thought of it now, I didn't put it on my, on my list. I actually did homework for this episode, Nicole. It's Look out. very unlike me. Um, but, but making more use of, of graphics, um, having your logo here and there, probably mm. a good idea. That's good marketing, but I'm talking about like when you have, um, putting, the, putting information together in, in charts, um, a chart or a table, it easier, or, yeah. yeah, can make it easier to digest. If you have, uh, whether it's your staff ratios for different rooms, or your closing days, or or immunization requirements for different ages, that kind of stuff, when you can put it together into into a chart um, or table of some sort, it's just easier to digest, and it's it's, well, it's more likely people will pay attention to it. Yeah, it breaks up the the constant text, but it also you know for those people who have a preference for visual learning, then it's going to sink in far better for them. It makes it just that little bit more engaging. But also if you've got, you know, perhaps you've got families with lower literacy levels. And so that might make that information more accessible or more easy to understand than if it's just a big paragraph of stuff. And I'm the same with like bullet points. Um, I even do it sometimes in an email. If I'm writing an email to someone, sometimes I'll bullet point a couple of things because I'm like, I've got three things I need to tell them. I want to make it clear that they're three separate things. Otherwise I could write six paragraphs and by the third paragraph, I've lost them. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. that making it as succinct as possible. I think sometimes we, and I have a habit of doing this because I'm a words person. I think we like to you know, give as many words as we can and, you know, make things sound a certain way. But actually, we just need to get to the point, particularly with like handbooks. We really just need to get to the point. What is the point? What am I trying to tell you? What's the purpose of it? What's your responsibility? Like, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, look, listeners, you're you're in store for lots of policy and procedure talk in the next couple of years because uh, I got a very lot of thoughts. Exciting. But um, but, um, that, that is, uh, some, some of these get very, they get very verbose without really saying anything. Um, lots and lots of words that don't really say anything. So one of the other takeaways, I guess that, that we can just mention here and we'll, we'll unpack in future episodes is that, that say what you need to say in clear and concise language, because, um, if, if, if you ramble on too long, like I kind of feel like we're doing with this episode, um, you, you lose people. So that's a, that's another one to throw in there. Uh, and what, what you I got any thoughts or, or additions to, to what I've thrown out here? No, I think they're all very, very valid. Oh, probably the only thing is for people who, um, struggle with, you know, like you said about the graphics and stuff, I use Canva a lot, which you can use as a free tool. Um, and I found Canva's been really good for making graphics. I find sometimes if I'm trying to make charts or tables or whatever in like Microsoft Word or PowerPoint, I find it really fiddly, but Canva's a lot easier. And yeah, that's that's probably my little tip for those kinds of documents, making them a little bit more engaging and easy to read. Yeah. And you can do all your formatting and bits and pieces on there too. So that's that's my hot tip. I'm, I'm going to throw one more out there. Um, photos 
are are great addition because they can having having just long page of text after text after text can be kind of hard. So tossing in a photo every once in a while kind of breaks things up. Um, yeah. But but one thing one thing oh one thing I've I've, I've noticed is that um, a couple of them I've looked at were one hundred percent absolutely stock um, photos. Mm. Um, if you're going to put photos in your program's handbook, make sure, I think, um, you end up with a better product if they are photos from your program. Um, it's funny, actually, you've mentioned that because I think you said maybe in the last episode we recorded about stock photos and how hard it is to get stock photos that are actually representative of real services. And I, we try and use, you know, in all of our resources that we put together, we do a lot of digital resources and whatever. We try and use our own photos where possible because you can tell straight away when you put a stock photo in and things that doesn't really matter. It might be, you know, a picture of someone's feet or something probably doesn't matter whether it's a stock photo or a real photo. But if you want a photo of children playing, then you actually need photos of the children in your service playing in your service. It's very different to have you know, so many of those stock photos are so awful. I actually thought of that as a business offshoot, um, doing stock photos that are proper early childhood play-based stock photos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I went through a couple of these and I'm going through them and I'm like, oh, these are, this is a beautiful looking program. And, and, oh, the, and, and then I, I, I uh, this, this isn't real. And I went to their yeah. website and there and 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 then uh took a squiz at their that their social media and um that the 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 program the the environment pictured in these photos was absolutely not the real environment and so um it is a little bit of false advertising if you get technical yeah. about it um but but i think you can you you also give give parents a more representative view of your program if you use programs from your program now you'll have to make sure they're decent pictures and 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 probably have to get some photo release assigned that kind of stuff but um look capturing those pictures i mean everybody's walking around with a magical device that can capture really high quality pictures and you 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 probably have a a parent or staff member who who's fairly decent at photography that can get those shots but much much better than than the stock stuff or or not having any of those things at all i've actually Um, done that for a couple of services gone in and taken photos of their children playing in their environment for them to use in their marketing materials because their photos you know and while we all typically have magic devices some people are much better at the magic devices than others so finding someone like that actually can come in and take some photos one of your parents one of your staff like get someone external sometimes you know you might be able to find a local photographer who could you know who's trying to build their portfolio might do it really cheap and you know like I, i just think you've got to yeah but filling out your your service information with genuine photos from your service i think makes it far more engaging and you know gives a better feel about things too yeah yeah um and and i mean this sound this might sound nit, nitpicky to to some listeners and and i suppose it is but i think the whole goal of those handbooks is to give people a a as true a possible view of the program and and look i'm sure that some of the handbooks that i found just very difficult to go through um have amazing programs but it doesn't it it doesn't come across in in the handbooks 
and and so having having quality thoughtful formatting makes it just a little bit easier to tell the story you're trying to tell with with those handbooks um your your yeah. policies is as a way of telling the world this is this is what we do here and procedures is telling the world this is how we do it but if if that information is hard to to suss out because of the the layout design of the handbook it's it's just uh um, it, it makes it a little bit more challenging to access stuff, I guess. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up, I want to throw throw this at you. It kind of relates back to uh, the the comfort items episode we last time we were together. So I, I read one yesterday that had a th their their policy about room transitions, about moving kids from one room to the other. This was a this was a, a wide age age range center based program, so infants up to yep. up to school agers. And their policy was to to transition children twice a year unless they decided it needed to happen more often. Oh. You just made a you just made a face when I when I said that to you, Nicole. Thoughts? Well, I'm like, oh yeah, until you said unless they decide it needs to happen more often, but it's that's very vague anyway. But twice a year I'm like, oh, children need to transition when they're ready to move like then that's that's a, a very different thing it can't just be twice a year and it's so I, individual and oh i my my response was was the opposite i think twice a year is is way too much because because what early learning said because if you're if you're taking if you turn six months old and then you you get moved from the room with the person you've been with your your whole six months and all the people you know into another room where you've got caregivers you've never met before and and kids you've never met before and then it's six months later kids don't have time to settle in with the oh, so do they, do they mean twice a year for each child like a child oh, yeah. might transition twice oh in a yeah year. yes see i'm thinking that like as a, a group thing, like in January, we transition whoever's ready. And then in July, we might transition. Oh, no, this people, was individual, individual no, child, no. children transitioning. And, no, and it's so just when they need to be transitioned, like. Yeah, That's I mean, what, the research is 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 pretty clear that um, the, the the best choice is having children um, with the same caregivers and peer group for multiple mm. years. And transitioning yeah. twice a year or more as little as is 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 kind of counter that, and yeah, it, it just made lot. me it made me it made me cringe. And and you know what I did? On my I, I've been tracking all this stuff on a little spreadsheet. I of uh, I highlighted that in in red. Didn't make it. I didn't make it bold or all caps, but wanted but to make sure I could, I, I could find my I could find that quote um really really quickly. So I. I put it in my spreadsheet in red. Yeah, the only that's thing that's gone on on the spreadsheet in red. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot of transitions. Um, yeah. Final formatting thoughts before we. Uh, Not so much formatting, but last probably last big thought is spell check and grammar. Like if you're, I feel like if you're an educational program that is you know you're you're advocating to families that you're an educational program then I feel like you need to make sure that you've got and look typos will always happen but having someone else cast an eye over it before it goes out to families to check for you know major typos or grammar issues I think is yeah very important and there there are some great apps out there that you can run documents through that that catch yeah, a like lot Grammarly. of stuff now yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's good stuff out there. Um, so as is part of the format of the show, 
I'm going to say this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in the title. We'll be back soon with another episode. You can find Nicole at inspiredec.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.